0: and welcome everybody to my independence report my name is kevin mcdonald and you're listening to us here on kmmedia.pro one of the uh, uh four different presentations that we have and this particular one features uh, folks that are going to help us live our day-to-day lives just a little bit better and i'm and by the way if if my voice sounds kind of weird i just spent an hour talking in a in a different dialect for another show that that i was working on so so if I go down here, that's just kind of the way it goes. Uh, but I'm not. I'm going to not do that. I hope. And uh, and David Lewis is with us. He is a life insurance expert and also a uh, individual that works with uh, financial planning for us older folks as we get older. David, welcome to the program. How are you?
1: Good. Uh, thank you for having me on the show.
0: You are most welcome, sir. It is—it really is dynamic to, to, that uh, I get to talk to you and timely. Yeah, because I'm not as I'm not a spring chicken anymore, and so I'm getting to the point in my life where I need to start looking. Well, let me put it another way: I passed the time in my life ten or fifteen years ago <laughs> that I should should have gotten my my financial act together and didn't, and so here I find myself and. Uh, Am I alone in this David or is, do you find that this is kind of a common thing going on?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it is common be it is very common actually. It's there's a, there's an old saying um that uh, you know the best time to start doing to start, you know, making uh, financial plans was, you know, 20 years ago and the second best time is right now. And I think a lot of people fall into that because they you know, there's always something. There's always something more interesting to do. I think that it's on people's radar than sitting down and talking about money and and how they don't have any. <laughs> you just feel like depressing. what am I supposed to do with this? You know, in your twenties, you feel like you don't have anything, and then in your thirties, you finally start getting like a little bit. So you're like, I'm not saving it. I have some now, <laughs> you know. And then you know, as the decades roll on, you realize, you know. You know, I, I, I need to do something because I have basically you know kind of reveled in in my growing success, you know, whatever success I've had, you know, over the you know past few decades. So it, it is very common. You people get to a certain age and they feel like, oh, I'm I'm i way past this. I can't do anything about it. And the reality is is that um, you the, you can always start. That's that's sort of the beautiful thing about this is that you can always start. It doesn't really matter how old you are. I have clients in their twenties. I also have clients who started in their uh, 50s and even a couple that started in their early 60s. So it, it really is it's not too late.
0: I would certainly hope not because, at, you know, when you're in your 60s, you're closer to the end than you are to the beginning. Yeah. And, you, know, you know, like I, in my 20s, it was, uh, didn't have a lot of money. Uh, ended up getting married. And then in my 30s, I had kids, I had the house. Uh, was trying to keep all of that together yep. and in the 40s had the midlife crisis and and spent money where I probably shouldn't have spent money doing different things and then in the 50s it was recovering from the 40s That's right and, and then when I get to my then now I'm 60 something and I'm I'm starting to say oh no <laughs> because you know I, I read where somebody will say well a million dollars, give you a nice retirement and I would, and uh, I don't have a million dollars, right? you know, and I don't know how, I don't know how somebody can amass a million dollars of their own money unless they get help from somebody else. Uh, how, how do you instruct people and especially the guys in their twenties, they have a shot. Yeah. The ones in their fifties, not so much. Well, you, you, you think that, so you think that in your
1: twenties, I mean, so th- that's interesting because when you look at both uh, when you look at uh, people who are living on both sides of that continuum people in their 20s routinely say I don't have any money to save how do you start saving money I don't have any money to save and then when you when you get to the folks that are in their 50s and 60s they say oh it's you know it's it's too late like I don't have the time I mean to a certain extent there is you you can't get to a point where you don't you can always start it, and it's there's always a you know the It's always good to start if you, if you haven't done anything, it's always good to do something, but you're right. There there does get to be a point where, you know, there is sort of a deadline on, you know, when you can start planning. You can't, you know, you can't start, even if you can only do for five years, five years is better than no years, but 20 years is better than having five years to plan. So, you know, it's somebody in their twenties really has a, 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 ideally they have a long time to plan. But oftentimes they don't have they or at least they seem to think that they don't have a lot of money to do that. And so to get started, it's it's just as simple as it, it sounds almost cliche, but you, you just sort of have to go cold turkey and you just have to do it. You just have to start, you have to make a plan, you have to commit to it. It's it's sort of like, you know, how do you how do you show up for work every day? How do you go to the if you're a person that likes to go to the gym, like I like to go to the gym, you know, and, and work out. How do you go to the gym? It's, it's usually not a tour. If you're committed to something, it's usually not torturous to do that. You start making it a habit. It starts small at first. You start with, you know, maybe small increments, small sums of money, but you form a habit. And then once you form a habit, it's easy to sort of ratchet that up over time. And it's, it's just that it's just a constant, this dedicated, put one foot in front of the other and just keep going.
0: I have a couple of children yeah, and they are in the in the twilight zone of financial planning mm-hmm. because they don't they don't do it and they don't recognize uh, and and I started and tell me if I did this right I started when they were in their twenties and said let's put together a budget Yeah, and that seemed to be like a four letter word. <laughs> I don't want to budget. I don't yeah. want you to see my finances. So they right. didn't. Right. So so how do you get people to budget? so i that's a that's a an
1: interesting problem um i mean it surely I, is it so that so that so so the, the the big thing is is that for first of all if somebody is really really resistant to the idea um you can't you you simply can't force people to do things that they don't want to do and so if somebody's committed to this idea that I'm not gonna do this, I'm, I don't see the value in it. I think the big thing that's missing from a lot of financial planning, and, and this goes for, you know, in financial planning, I've seen this from from my peers, from from other insurance agents and also from other uh, financial planners that I've tried to work with in the past, like a partner with on different cases and stuff, is that what's missing in a financial plan a lot of times is a vision. And there's there's the client doesn't have a vision of their future, of what it's gonna be like. You know, for example, you know, you talk to somebody in their 20s, just a simple vision of, you know, what are you going to do when you're, you know, 65 years old and you have no savings? And it's easy to blow that off and say, well, I'll I'll figure it out. No, no, really. What are you going to do? How is that going to work? Paint me a picture of what you think your life is going to be like. How is that? I'm not I'm not trying to bully you into something. I'm saying, how, how do you think that this is going to work out? And just creating that vision is oftentimes, you know, people who have a vision, it, it, again, sort of this analogy in the gym or, or, or some lifelong career that you have a dream of, it. people have a vision of their ideal career or of like the body that they want when they're, you know, when they're working out or losing weight or, or whatever. They have a vision and that's what drives them to actually make those changes because without a vision you you don't you're not going to be motivated you're not going to be motivated to make a budget you're not going to be motivated to save money it's not going to happen because you can't see the benefits you just don't see uh you don't see how it's personally beneficial to you and a lot of times with financial planners um a lot of the way that this especially with budgeting it's often uh, set up as this thing where you know, people don't like budgeting because they view it as I have to make sacrifices. I have to sacrifice things. And as sacrifice is something is sort of a double, it's, it's, it has a sort of double meaning. On the one hand, you know, we often think that sacrificing is something that's sort of necessary, like you were saying earlier before the show, a necessary evil. It, it, that's part of the problem is that people think that it is both necessary and evil. And so they just don't, it's hard to connect with that it's sort of fun to joke around about it but but if you if you really think that something is is not worth doing or you're going to have to make personal sacrifices and a sacrifice being i have to give up something that i really really want in exchange for something i don't really want there's where's the motivation how are you going to get motivated to do that if that's what you're walking into so i think the first step is to is to really set things up and reframe it as you know, what are you getting? First of all, are there any bad habits that you're going to be getting rid of? And are you going to be, what are you going to be getting that's uh, positive, that's uh, that's going to be a benefit to you? I think that's, if you can figure out what's going to be positive, what sort of positive changes or what sort of benefits you're going to get out of it, it's going to be a lot easier to start budgeting.
0: It's It's weird because when you're in your 20s and you talk to a financial guy and he says, well, I know you don't make a lot of money, but surely you can find 20 bucks a week. Yeah. And my and my response at that time was, oh, well, sure, 20 bucks a week. What is that going to do for me? Yeah. That's not going to do much of anything. But over the course of years, it can do a tremendous amount if you start and you get into the habit of of putting something away. Oh, um, yeah. Because what you don't want to do. Uh, I'll David, let me paint a picture for you. I I live I'm 64 years old. I live in a fifty-five plus mobile home community. Yeah. The reason I moved here is because I was fortunate enough to be I drove a bus for twelve years, it was enough to save enough money to be able to buy a mobile home that I I really like. It's very nice. Yeah. And um and my my rent is less and so forth and so on. Um, but there are people that are here that are in their 70s and 80s mm-hmm. that um, they're living on Social Security and they're living on $1,400, 1500 a month. Yeah. Uh, the rent is like $700, $800, and so they, so they can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. Right. And if, if, if you talk to these people, to a person, they would say, man, if I just made some changes when I was in my 40s, that would have been I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in today. Do you find yeah. it? That, that a lot of people come to you and it's kind of, at this point, a little hopeless?
1: I'd say that the people who make it to me, by the time they get to me, um, they, they – well, the short answer is no. I don't talk to a lot of people who think it's hopeless because if it's hopeless, then they – typically they're stopped at the at the front door, so to speak. They, they're stopped at the, at the homepage of the website. They see – They kind of dig in a little bit to the free content on the site, and then they if if they really do think that things are hopeless, they usually don't contact me. Um, I now I have talked to people who they'll say, you know, I don't know where to go from here. Yeah, or I've been, you know, one of my client, one of my older clients. um, She had uh, been through this really. She had tried to do everything right um she met with financial planners when she was younger she started saving money she put that she was told put just just go ahead and put most of your money put some money in a savings account but most of your money should be in the stock market and then just let it ride everything will be fine and after 40 or so years what had happened was she had lost her life savings to at least twice over and you know because and then she, she the other thing about her was she was a uh she had a really good saving habit so she was a saver she was just she was really good at budgeting she was really good at saving money and she uh you know she had um didn't really take on a lot of debt because she didn't first of all she didn't like paying debt she was always of the of the mindset that uh she was going to pay cash for everything that she did and she was going to be financially responsible and uh the problem that she ran into was that she ended up with no credit. So she could never buy a house. She had found it difficult to buy a new car. She There's a lot of things that were sort of doors that were closed to her. And uh, and she she came to me and she said, and she didn't, so so she didn't come to me thinking that things were hopeless, but what she did was she came and she said, I just don't understand what's going on here. I feel like I'm being punished for being financially responsible. I did what everybody's told me I was supposed to do and I lost all my savings and and she was like what do I do? I mean like what are you going to do? Like what are you going to do differently because everybody's telling me all this stuff that's supposed to work and in, and 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 fortunately you know she did make a plan and she did make a life insurance plan and things worked out and and basically you know did a 180 and everything it's stuff that she just didn't realize it was possible with life insurance she, like her whole, basically, her whole world was kind of her whole worldview was changed about how how finance and how and how all this stuff works. But no, I mean, like it's 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 never really hopeless. Uh, but it, if you get that into your mindset, if if you if you d- adopt that mindset that things are hopeless, and if you if that gets lodged in your brain, it's it's hard to it really is hard to move forward on that.
0: I got, I got a couple of questions for you. First of all, you mentioned your website. Yeah. So during this hour, we're going to get your website out there often so that people can go there and review it and and uh, decide whether or not working with you would be a good idea. And the name of the website is?
1: Website is monogenics.com. So M-O-N-E-G-E-N-I-X dot com.
0: Very good. And people can go there and and uh, and they can contact you through that website, right?
1: Yeah. So, so I think the, 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 the big thing is if you're going to go to the website, there's a ton of free content that you can consume on there. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of basic introductory information about life insurance and kind of how, what I do. And if you really, if you want to dig deep into it, the way to really contact me and really kind of get plug into, to my world, so to speak, is to join the email list. So I have an email list where I send out uh, daily emails and it's, that's a lot of that is, uh stories and uh um sort of uh like uh more in-depth stuff that than what you'll find that you know for free on the blog and other resources on the site
0: very good so again the name of the the site is uh
1: it's monogenics.com
0: monogenics.com very cool now um i was all i had (laughs) the other day it was a couple months ago maybe now i get this phone call and it's a gentleman saying hey we we would love to sell you sir so is your life insured do you do you know what your life is worth and i said well let me tell you, let me paint a picture for you <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you've probably heard this before let me paint a picture for you if i can collect on my life insurance i'll be dead so who cares right um but but that's not all life insurance can do for you correct
1: Right. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that is a good thing. Uh, that is a good, uh, that's a good point. Like, you know, if you're, if you're going to buy a, a simple, what they call term life insurance, uh, if you're buying term insurance, the the way, typically the way it's going to pay out is you die and then your beneficiaries get the money. Um, that has its place. place. I In mean, that has its place.
0: If I don't like my beneficiaries all that much, I don't necessarily want them to, you know, get, you know, like a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars because I'll be dead. Right. right? right. Here's all my money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that is uh,
1: so. So I think that is um, in order for in order for the death benefit to be valuable. Um, you know, y- there have there have to be people in your life that you care about. And I think that is uh, all. Jo- all joking aside, I mean, I have met people who joke around. I'm not giving any money to my kids. They can they can figure out on their own. But but you have but in order for that death benefit to be bad, and that is a that is a uh, you know a major component of life insurance is the death benefit. When you die, there's going to be money. Then there's going to be money payable to somebody. Does somebody's standard? Is that going to affect somebody's standard of living? So if you die, is that going to is that going to affect your spouse's standard of living? I mean, people can live on less. It, that happens all the time. Lots of people don't have life insurance, and that comes again. It comes down to vision. What is your vision of the future? Do you have promises that are going to extend beyond your lifetime? Do you want your family to have the same uh, standard of living after you after you die? So it really does come down to these sort of serious conversations that people kind of shy away from because nobody likes to talk about their death. Nobody likes to talk about them not being there. And so it's easy to kind of to kind of, you know, make a joke out of it and stuff. But it, it really does that death benefit in order for that to be valuable. There has to be someone that you legitimately love and care about. And that's, you know, whether that sounds sappy or not, I don't know. But that's that is a fundamental aspect of life insurance. But there is another aspect of it, like you were saying, uh it does more than just death benefit. There are policies that help you build a savings that will take care of you when you get old, if you need long-term care, uh, or you have a stroke or a heart attack. And so, there's a lot of living benefits that you can take advantage of in uh, in some of these life
0: insurance policies. Do you find in your work that a lot of people think about death in the abstract, or or the 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 uh, the fact that they're the the potential to be disabled? is is you know you can be 65 and be running around having a great time and then you mm-hmm. sit down and have a stroke and then you yep. are in a wheelchair in a rest home drooling in the in out of, out of the side of your mouth yeah um, so it is important that that you have some kind of a plan because the other thing is if you don't have a plan and then you become a burden to the people that you love
1: yeah yeah I, I, I mean it, it, it is in a, it, people do think about death in the abstract um, because it's unpleasant. It's a, it's unpleasant. Nobody sits around dwell, and which is I think is probably psychologically healthy. You're not going to sit around and and ruminate and uh, sort of dwell on this idea that you're going to die or that you're going to be in a nursing home somewhere. But insurance insurance is all about sort of this uh, protection against catastrophic loss. And in an individual, like what, like, what is the most catastrophic thing that could happen to a person? They could die. <laughs> you know, I mean, at some point that's what happens. You, you live long enough and the, the, in the, I mean, we have really good medical technology these days, but nothing that prevents death. And uh, the same thing with, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, you know, stroke and heart attack and things like that, you know, for, especially for guys, you and me, our odds of getting a heart attack, prostate cancer, or having a stroke—I mean, it, that's what—that's what kills most guys: heart attacks, <laughs> or 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 cancer. And you we live old enough. That's what happens. Those are not things that people want to dwell on, but those are—that's the reality. I mean, that's—that's that's what happens. So yeah, people do think about it in the abstract because they think, oh, that's going to happen. That's not going to happen to me. That's going to happen to somebody. I'm going to be the guy who's not going to make. And I'm like that too. Like that's not going to happen to me. But I also carry a lot of life insurance. Uh,
0: there, there was a time I was uh, went to a restaurant with my happened to be with my mother, as a matter of fact. And there was a uh, a table of 14 people. And they they had uh, as we walked in the restaurant, they were from the home down down the block and the, the assisted living home. And they were 14 people that were sitting there and 12 of them were women. Yeah. Two of them were men. And the two men look like very disengaged and look like they were on death's door. And it's like, um, if you're a man and you're married, you need to protect because you're going to live, statistically speaking, you're going to live less long than your wife is. And you need, if you love your wife, yeah. you, you know, I don't have one of those. Uh, <laughs> I gave it up for Lent. Um, so I, but if I had one, I would want to protect her sure. uh, so that she could. Uh, live her later years and go to the widow's club and have a good time
1: yeah i mean guy i mean i you know i don't know if this is news or not but guys do stupid things i mean that's why we no. get <laughs> no, I mean, really? we're, the one, we're the ones that we're the ones that climb up on the roof and i mean i know that's offensive in today's day and age to say that stuff but we're the ones climbing up on the roof does anything that needs anything dangerous that needs to be done you know, the wives are like, hey, can you, can you do this for me? You know, or, uh, you know, and, and, and just in a profession, not that, not that women can't do, you know, dangerous jobs, but men statistically tend to do more dangerous jobs. So yeah, their life expectancy is not as, not as long. Uh, because they're smarter than we are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> women are a lot smarter than we are. They figure out, they figure, they've really got it figured out because they figured out how to get us to do all the dangerous stuff so that they can outlive us. <laughs>
0: Well, I always considered it like, like my wife was picking the horse. The yeah. Best, it's like a horse race. I'm going to pick the horse that's going to take me the farthest and is going to win me the most money.
1: That's right. And, uh,
0: and then, of course, if we we don't, we break a leg in the course of that race, then it's like, uh well, she, she picked the wrong horse. Uh, but, you know, but they they statistically live a lot. My, my dad died when he was 76. Yeah, My mom recently passed. She was 90. So she was. She lived a quarter of a century longer than he did. Yeah, and and fortunately he was able to save enough to to help her. But if you don't, and you're say you're in your fifties, and I came to you, uh, David, and said I, I need to figure out how I can get money, enough money to so that I can live on it. But when I die, that my family, my wife. And my grandkids and the, the colleges and all that stuff, they can make it. How would you suggest that they do that?
1: So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different ways. Um, I mean, there's, a, there's almost infinite number of ways you can save money, right? There's lots of different investments you can do. There's, everybody's got an idea about the best way to do something. The way that I do it is obviously as a life insurance agent, the way that I do that is through life insurance. So with uh, people who come to me and say, you know, I want to be able to save up money. If I don't use this money, you know, then I want this money to go to my wife or my kids or whatever. And, and that really you're talking about something along the lines of a custom whole life insurance policy. So whole life insurance is a combination of savings and insurance. And the, the, the basic, the big idea behind it is that um, as you pay in these premiums, uh, first of all, the the, uh, the the policy is customized for whatever it is that you need it for. So if you need a certain amount of savings by a certain age, the policy can be customized to provide that savings either on a guaranteed or non-guaranteed basis at the age that you need it. Uh, and then it's a matter of just paying the premium. So once you figured out how much money you need, uh, then it's a... It's math. It's just paying a pre- figuring out what the premiums are that have to be paid, Then you pay the premiums, and then you get, and then the savings builds up inside the contract. Um, on the flip side of that contract is the insurance. So you've got uh, an amount of insurance that's payable when you die, and so the big idea is that you have you have this contract, this insurance policy that builds up a guaranteed savings, so it protects you during your life. So you have money that you can always access. Uh, whenever you need it for any reason with no penalties, it's, you know, there's uh, several different ways that you can access the money either by, uh, surrendering part of the policy's cat for, for its cash value or borrowing against the policy, um, you know, to, for short-term needs, if you need it. Um, and if you don't use all that savings, uh, when you live uh, while you're alive, then that gets paid along with the insurance amount, uh, when you die to, you know, whoever you name as a beneficiary. So it's, it, it really, it provide I mean, it does a lot of things that I have found it does. It sort of simplifies the financial planning process and it does a lot of things that would take several other products to do. And this is basically done in one product. Not that you only have to have that one product, but I do have clients that just use whole life insurance and it seems to work really well for them.
0: Well, you know, it's one of those things where you, as many pots as you can put, as much money as you can in different ways, Yeah, it makes a great deal of sense. But if you need, if, if you want to accomplish more, it seems to me that uh, a whole life policy would work because it provides you with the death benefit, which is important. Yeah. Um, see, I, I don't have one of those. Yeah. Um, so I don't have any death benefits. So when I die, it's like, how much is it going to cost to plant him? Right. And stuff, you know, so it would be helpful. If I if I had that and uh, but also some uh, cash value to it on the, on the on the side as well, are the premiums um, um, prohibitive or can you, they be structured in a way that makes sense?
1: So premiums, uh, w- people tend to think of life insurance as being a cost, and uh, when you're talking about term insurance, it is a, there is a cost associated with death benefit. the The issue with whole life insurance is that it is both savings and insurance, so. Typically when I'm doing a life insurance plan for somebody's whole life, uh, the premium like how they say well how much is the premium and it's really how much you want to pay, right? Or how much you feel comfortable paying it's because you can schedule those premiums and then build the policy around so somebody could only afford let's say $200 a month, then you build a policy around $200 a month. Um if somebody can afford it. Now, the more money you put in to a whole life policy, the more cash value there is, the better the cash value growth. Um, these policies are, you think of them as, as like a safety net, like a personal safety net. Um, the way that whole life insurance is built and designed, uh, it is, in the industry, they, it's, it's sort of considered this bulletproof product. Um, the way that insurance companies manage the, the money that, that the policyholders uh, are giving them, uh, this is probably the only place that you can put money. Where twenty years from now you know exactly what's going to happen, and so it really depends on how much of that money. Like, do you have savings or income that you can't afford to risk? That's the money that goes into these whole life products, and uh, and that can be structured around any premium. So if I I mean some client, I mean I have clients that have premiums that are two hundred bucks a month. I have uh, clients that have premiums that are ninety thousand you know, per year. I mean, that's big premiums. So these premiums can, I mean, they run the gamut and it really depends on how much money you want to protect. And that's, that's really all it comes down to. How much do you want to insure?
0: That's, that's interesting. So if you are on a fixed budget, uh, well, let me ask you a question. When do you need to start doing this? Because when you get onto a fixed budget, then you probably can't afford to continue to contribute to it. Uh, if if the if your social security isn't a lot or whatever, how right. how do you uh, um uh, what when when is a great time to start doing this? Probably I know in your twenties, but in your twenties you're going to live forever, right? And, exactly, you're not dying in your twenties, Nah. So. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: so whole life insurance can, like I said, I have uh, I have clients that are in their sixties. So you can start, um, I mean, there's an age, you know, maybe it doesn't look quite as good at 65 or, or something like that, or 70 or something like it, you know, it might not look so good. But if you're looking at, uh, I mean, you know, anytime I like think in your twenties, obviously thirties, forties, fifties there's no, there's really no time where you can't start it unless you're at a point where you're going to retire right now. So I would, And generally, I would say you want to pay, you want to at least be able to pay premiums for uh, at least five years. Ideally, you want to be able to have to be able to hold your policy for about 10 years minimum. That's a sort of a minimum. Ideally, you want to be able to hold your policy for 20 or 30 years. So yeah, I mean, somebody that's in their 30s or 40s, that's going to be an ideal time to buy life insurance. But somebody in their 50s, I mean, you figure even fifties. Uh, if you start something in your fifties, 55, you know, you that puts you at if you hold it for twenty years, you're at sixty, or excuse me, seventy. Um, that's sort of right in that like middle-aged area. You can you can do very very well. Even I mean, I have clients in their fifties who are starting policies, and the and you know they're you know they they do expect to hold them for twenty years. So that's the caveat is these are long-term products. So these are not things that you jump in and out of. These are things that you buy, as the name suggests, for your whole life. So you have to really, uh, this has to be something that you want to have, that you want to have, you know, for the rest of your life, that you want, like when you buy insurance, I want to make sure that I'm protected. How long do I want to be protected until I die? <laughs> you
0: know. Well, let me, let me, you know, let me paint a picture for you, sir. Sure. And that and that and that is because this is what this is exactly what happened to me. Yeah. I was driving a bus for a living and I was working for King County Metro here in Seattle and yeah. it was doing fabulously well. I bought my little mobile home because I wanted to set myself up for my retirement because mm-hmm. I was sixty four. I figured I'd work till sixty seven, get social security, and yeah. then I would retire and I'd have a little bit of pension and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I was moving into my home and I fell and tore my rotator cuff. Mm and had to have surgery to repair that yeah. and then i fell again and uh um over i tripped over my my son's eight week old puppy and i tore the uh my left arm all up and had to have surgery to repair that hence when i at that particular moment i became unemployable i could not work anymore and now if i had a whole life policy yeah could i then take some of that money to continue to pay the premium of the of the life insurance.
1: Yeah, so so there's actually a couple of things that you could do. Um if you if you became disabled uh, and your policy had a disability waiver on it, for example. Oh. Um then your policies then your premiums would be waived for as long as you were disabled. So you fall and you break your leg, you can't go to work, the insurance company is going to waive the premiums. Um oh, there's a darn,
0: darn nice idea
1: yeah. Right. They, and, and, you know, depending on the, dis- and depending on how that rider were, you know, from the company, because every insurance company has different stipulations in their riders. Um, the, the, the really good companies are, are fairly generous on their disability waivers so that it really just requires you to go to a doctor and, and the doctor has to certify like, yeah, he, you know, he can't really work at his job and um, he can't do the He can't work at his chosen profession. So, and then the insurance company is like, all right, well, we're going to waive the premiums until he's, you know, uh, until he can come back. So that would be an option for somebody who's disabled, provided that you have a disability waiver. If you don't have a disability waiver on the, on your policy, um, then there's a couple of different options. You there's, there's an option where you can use accumulated uh, cash values to pay the premiums on your policy. You can borrow against the policy to pay the premiums, or you can convert your policy to a paid-in-full. So at any time after five years, with the policies that I design, I know every agent is different, uh, and I do. I know that it that this is not necessarily the most common way to do it, but the, in my business, I do uh, what's called custom whole life. So all of my policies are custom-made, and they're very flexible. And so one of the provisions in my in the contracts that I designed for clients is the option to have a paid in full policy after five years. So anytime after five years, you could elect a paid in full policy, which means you don't need to pay premiums anymore. It's paid. You can't pay premiums. The contract is paid in full. So you're not burdened with ongoing premiums. So you can set that at any time after the policy has been issued. It doesn't have to be you don't have to decide about that beforehand. But so there's mul- there's multiple different options if you get into a, any kind of uh, trouble.
0: Uh, I, I think that's by the way, just from personal experience, I can tell you do not the, the disability waiver do not decline it. keep it yeah. you, you, because that that is your uh, protection against something bad happening that it's totally out of your control because yeah. on, on on Sunday I was moving. On Monday I fell and was in the emergency room. Yep. And and I couldn't work. And, and and so that was the last day that I was able to work. Yep. And, and so that and it can happen that fast. Yes. Even, even though I'm a, I was an athletic guy and I'm a strong guy and I thought that I could live forever and not have any of that. It happens.
1: It does. So prepare yourself. <laughs> Believe it or not, it does happen. And it and it, it's one you know, it's one of those things where I mean, I do have clients that don't have, uh, that don't have a disability waiver, um, but they, you know, their their policies are so flush with cash that they almost don't need it really. I mean, they've gotten to it. They're, the way that they funded their policy, they have enough cash where that's not necessary. But, you know, definitely if if you think that, and, and this is really a sort of an, done on an individual, uh, individual basis. Like if you if you are, sometimes it's, you know, if you work in a job, there's certain jobs that I would say, you probably, you really should have dis- a disability waiver because you're, the odds of you getting becoming disabled are going to be pretty high. If you're a desk, if you sit at a desk all day and and you could work from home or, you know, you have a flexible work schedule, it may not be quite as necessary. If you're a farmer or you are someone who's, you know, very active, yeah, <laughs> that might my- you might want to consider having a disability waiver.
0: Well, I, I was a bus driver and I can tell you uh, my career could have ended at any given day yeah. for a bunch of different reasons. Yeah. Uh, get attacked by a passenger mm-hmm. hit somebody doing any number of things. So right. it, it was really important that that I had that kind of coverage. Yep. Uh, by the way, let's talk about your website again. Uh, um monogenics.com Monogenics. I was I knew yeah. the Genx part but at monogenics.com what yeah. does gen- monogenics stand for? So this was so it, it, you know it, it was something that I was
1: uh, actually sitting around and thinking about um, uh, for a long time it, it it was really sort of this uh, it was this idea that I had for sort of a more modern kind of life insurance agency and um uh part of the issue with uh part of the issue with that is you know there there's just certain things in uh, in the life insurance business that um i don't know it 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 feels very stodgy and very old and i didn't I, want that to
0: yeah no, i was that, just going to say in my in my research on you you're an out-of-the-box thinker and you're coming up with a brand new way of doing this stuff like like um i never heard anybody say that they could tailor make a um, uh, a whole life policy based upon the individual the money that they make the situation that they're in and to be able to work for make them work for it it's not a cookie cutter thing it's not you can pick uh, uh, um A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. You design it for yourself, so you're a bit of the out of the box kind of guy.
1: Yeah, most most insurance agents. First of all, most insurance agents don't know how to do what I do. Uh, I don't say that to make myself sound better than everybody else. It's just this is just something that I've learned over. You know, the, I've been doing this since 2004, and when I first started out, I didn't know how to do this either. And this is just something that just through just through making a lot of mistakes and then having and then some of it was just being fortunate and talking to the right people who've been in the business for a long time and they said hey did you know that you could do this with these products and so forth and 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 some companies don't let you do the type of work that I do with these products and a lot of agents either don't know how to do it or if they do they're unwilling to do it for clients because it takes ex- it, it takes a lot of extra work uh, and then also some of the ongoing service that they have to do they they would much rather, make the sale, move on to the next one because they've got, you know, they've got numbers that they have to hit or they just don't want to do the service. Um,
0: well, it's important. It's important that not only do, that you get the sale, but that you provide the service as well, because, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's the, it's a, in yours is the life insurance business is the utmost in the people business. Yes. Because you're down and dirty with all of the really nitty-gritty stuff of what being human is all about. Yeah. Uh, the death, of the dying, the... the it, all of stuff, the, money, the, the highlights money. right the death and the dying <laughs> the stuff we all look forward to spending <laughs> a lot of time working on <laughs> <laughs> catastrophic stuff when you you know the, all the,
1: i'm talking about people stuff that people love to talk about like yeah you know you're gonna get a stroke and you're gonna end up in a nursing home drooling all over yourself that's the stuff you want to hear about
0: exactly and uh, we yeah. all enjoy talking about that it's like it's like over dinner you know it's like that's right. you know, kids, you know uh, that's I, a,
1: that's a first date conversation right there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Um, see, I, my kids and I have got an agreement that if that happens to me um, and I can't speak anymore. Yeah, I've got this little motion that I do. It's like pushing a wheelchair over the cliff. Yeah, that's, that's what they're going to do for me. Is <laughs> take me to a cliff and push me over because that's all going
1: will be it. have you have you you seen this uh have you seen this movie it there's a there's an old it's a Christmas now this around Christmas time there's this this Christmas movie called uh Four Christmases I think have you seen this movie
0: I haven't seen it yet
1: okay it's got uh Vince Vince Vaughn I think it's in it if you I mean it's a certain you know and, and anyway it's uh But he's in the movie. He's got this thing. They have to go to these four Christmases, and it's like you know, he's got to go to his girlfriend's parents, and he's got to go to his parents, and he doesn't like his parents. So they have this code. They say if like if something goes wrong, the code word to get out of here is mistletoe. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready to go, mistletoe. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) That's get
0: the hell out of here. When you're ready to leave, that's just what you say, Mistletoe. mistletoe. Yeah, ready to go that that works that that works by the way we're talking with uh, uh david lewis he's a life insurance expert and he's got a website called monogenics.com and i actually said that correct i'm so proud of myself and so you need to go there and uh and talk to him and while well, you can email him from there and there's also a way for you to contact him he's got lots of information there because it's complicated this yeah. you know this money stuff is really complicated, and if you if it intimidates you, you're not going to get what you need to get done done. So yeah. educate yourself.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's a lot. There's a, there's a lot of stuff on the website there that where you can educate yourself, and that's that sort of a term that gets uh, thrown around. Um, do you mind if we talk about this, this? This sort of expert, this idea of the of the expert.
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: This idea gets thrown around so much that a you should trust the experts, and B that you have to educate yourself. It sort of sounds like there's two sides of the of of a continuum, and you know when I provide I try to provide a lot of information on the website. Um, you can go there and you can read through. I've got articles on life insurance. There's a very there's an there's a there's an extensive guide on term life insurance, whole life insurance, universal life, the planning process that it, that you go through. And, and, and sort of this applied financial planning, which the, that I do, it's called uh, infinite banking, if people are familiar with that. Um, And so there's a lot that you can educate yourself about just by, just by reading, just by sort of digging into the details, trying to understand some of the more complicated stuff. And then I think what people, and then there's this other side where people just sort of blindly trust experts to tell them what to do and and to a certain extent what to think and what they should be doing. And there's, I found that there's problems with both of those approaches. And it's something that I think just people need to be just, just need to be aware of is that you can educate yourself, but you can only educate yourself to a certain extent. Um, Unless you become an expert, like one of the problems that people find with buying life insurance is that it is, it can be very complicated. I've had people come to me before with life insurance policies that they bought, you know, 10 years ago, and they thought they were working with somebody who knew what they were doing. And they handed me this policy that was ready to blow up. They were making the premiums and it was a whole life policy, which is astounding to me because usually whole life insurance policies don't do this but they handed me this policy and the policy was going to lapse and they had paid a lot of premiums into this thing. And we tried to monkey around with it. And I contacted the company and try to fix it whatnot. It, The way it was set up, it just couldn't be fixed. It had to be replaced. But, you know, trusting, uh, blindly trusting experts can be very dangerous. So one of the things that you know, that I'm a really big advocate of is becoming your own expert. And there's a way to do that. Uh, And I talk about it when, when you get on the email list, I talk about how to do that, how to become kind of your own financial expert. And you can do that to a point where you can sort of, even if you don't know as much as, as a, you know, somebody who has expertise and does this for a living, you can get to a point where you can judge the expertise of someone else, whether it's a financial guy, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's, There's ways to do this where you can actually judge this and sort of become your own expert in a variety of different fields, even if you don't have that expert knowledge. And I think that's part of what people have to do. And then they also also do need to have people like, yeah, you do need to have a lawyer you can trust. Yeah, you need an insurance agent you can trust. And so I think you sort of have to do a very artful blend of both of those things. Yeah, you have to trust experts, but not blindly. And yes, you can be an expert yourself, but you're never gonna know as much as somebody who does it for a living. And uh, I think that people get into trouble when they try to go kind of to this extreme and they become like Google experts. So they're Googling stuff online and like, oh, I know everything about this. You know, I go to WebMD, I'm a doctor now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and they, they also get into trouble just by I'm going to use, you know, the financial planner that my dad used because, you know, I had a, I, I, was, I had a client like years and years ago this guy he used a financial planner that his dad used well the come to find out the investment advisor that he was using was trading on his dad's account and lost him 100,000 100,000 on oh, his no. his life savings just by making these trades and you know the advisor made a bad decision but the but the dad was the one that had to pay for it and the son just sort of walked into it because hey this was my dad's financial planner he must know what he's doing
0: well, you know, and 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 the sad thing about that too is is that if you don't pick the right financial planner, yeah, they may have a um a disingenuous incentive to put you into programs and things where they make commission on it, so they can make money themselves. But it may not be the best place for you to have your money. I had a food and beverage director one time when I was in the restaurant business, yeah, and uh, he had a catering guy, and he had a bar guy, and he had a restaurant guy, and he had a mm-hmm. chef guy, and I said, how do you how do you know all of these things? Cause you've got all these experts in their fields around you. Yeah. How do you know? And he said, well, my job is to make sure that I know enough that they can't bullshit me. Right. And that's, that's I exactly think it. as we're running our own corporations, our own households, mm-hmm. which is really a, our own corporations, we have to know enough so that somebody can't sell you a line.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately there's a lot of that out there. Yes. There's a lot it's, of that
0: out there. It's intimidating for people if they can't, if, if you're talking to a guy and he, you, you don't even understand the, the words he's using yeah, um, and things.
1: So yeah. And it's, and it's tricky in the life insurance business part, part of partially because the life insurance industry has sort of its own jargon and it's a, it's jargon that nobody uses in real life. It's only used in the insurance industry uh and so if somebody if you know if i start talking to somebody about the paid up editions rider on a life insurance policy you're only using that in the life insurance industry nobody knows what that is and so that's where it comes into that that's where it comes into play like yeah you, you need to educate yourself about some of the special terms that are used in the insurance business but then you also don't necessarily want to be doing business with people who are who take this and and I define this. I define sort of the two basic approaches that that financial planners tend to take, insurance agents take. One is sort of this authoritarian advice giver model, and the other approach is what I consider to be like a self leader uh, approach. And the the uh, the authoritarian advice giver model is is essentially this financial planner or insurance agent that is is basically saying do this, not that. I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to, I know what's in your best interest. First of all, nobody knows what's in your best interest with you. Nobody's going to care about your money more than you do. And anybody who tells you otherwise is lying to you. They're trying to get your money.
0: And, and, and the reverse is also true. Nobody's going to give you a, a, uh, a napkin to wipe your tears when you've lost your money.
1: No, if, 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 if you have, if, if, your advisor makes a mistake and and he, there's no consequences for him guess what's going to happen he's and you know they, <laughs> at some point you are going to get screwed
0: there, there are lots of examples of that yeah um especially like pro athletes they've got a lot of money and they put it in the wrong hands and then they wake up one day and they got nothing or yeah. a, a lotto uh, winner that, that statistically has been proven that they lose all of their money too. Yep. So how, how would you suggest then somebody f- vet the right person and uh, what are some of the signs they can look for?
1: Well, so, and I know this is probably easier said than done. Um, a good, someone who's a good advisor is not an advice giver. And that's that's a hard thing to come by because a lot of times um when you see a financial advisor, it, it, really they're all about I'm going to tell you what to do, and let me tell you what. And people ask; it's a setup too, because people ask, "Well, where should I be putting my money? What do you think I should be buying?" And um, it, you know, an, an advisor might say, "Like, well, I think you should be doing this. Let me make a little plan for you." Uh, and that's sort of the tip-off. Uh, financial planner: the, the idea that's that the idea that I could make a plan for you. In my weird way of thinking is ridiculous. How do I know how could first of all, how could I make a master plan for your life? how yeah. could how could I possibly plan out what you're going to do so so clients have to come to the table having at least a even if they don't know the specifics and a lot of people don't know the specifics but you know you gotta have you got to come to the t- table having a just a general idea, of what you want, what values in your life are important to you? Like what, what are the things that you really value in life? And then also just a general idea of like, what is your vision? What do you want to have happen? And and so it should not be a discussion of the advisor, you know, the advisor telling you what to do. It should be more of a discussion of how do I accomplish these? Uh, here's what I want to do, A, B, and C. Like what are some options that I have? And an advisor not a good advisor is not going to tell you what to do. They're going to they're going to give first of all, they're going to give you information. They're going to explain what options you have and they're going to tell you this is the cost. And here's the trade off that you're going to be making. If you do this, it means you're not going to be able to do these other things. And they're going to help you think about they're going to actually be someone who's going to help you. Uh, and, and really, if they're good, they're going to teach you how to think, not what to think. So they're going to they're really going to show you like, OK, this is how you have to think about this, this financial problem. And you're going to ultimately going to have to make the decision. So you as a client are going to have to make the decision. The advisor is going to say, here's the cost. Here's the benefit. Here's the trade-off that you're making by taking this versus this. But ultimately, you, you know, you have to decide what's most important to you. And if you don't know what's important to you, you're, that's how you fall into a trap because that's what, it, that's what, a that's what sort of these people that I would consider kind of shady, they're going to take advantage of that. That's what that's what uh, some advisors take advantage of. They take advantage of people who don't really know what they want. And a good advisor is going to promote this idea of self-leadership. He's going to move his clients from a state of dependency to independence. And that is sort of that what I have found consistently over and over again, when you move clients from a state of being dependent on uh, you for advice or dependent on me for advice, and, and you move those people to being independent so they need me less and less and less over time you get first of all the clients are happier and secondly they're more successful when whatever it is they do the closer you move to being a self-leader and being independent if, you know someone who's financially independent for example does not depend on their financial advisor for every for every problem they have
0: no there's, there's no don't. no they they've, they've they've got it figured out yeah. To a large degree.
1: Now That doesn't mean that they don't seek advice. That doesn't mean that they don't want information. They don't want options. They still talk to, you know, people who are financially independent still talk to an insurance agent or a financial advisor, or they talk to a lawyer, but they're not looking to be told what to do. They're looking for options. They're looking for information. They're looking for ways that things could go sideways on them. That's what they're looking for. And, uh, You know, the idea that, uh, you know, the idea that somebody else is going to do something for you is, that's a myth. Nobody's going to do something. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to give you financial security or give you financial independence. That's something that you have to work. That's something you have to work for yourself. And the advisor is there, is simply there to sort of coach you, help you, uh, sort of just apprise you of, you know, what it's going to cost and sort of what. You know, kind of what it looks like. You know, what what, it, what what's going to happen? Like, what's the uh, what the costs are to make all this happen, and what the benefits are.
0: By the way, we're talking with David Lewis now. If somebody wants to contact you, you work with people via Zoom and all over the place. I would imagine.
1: Yeah, so everything's online now. Uh, in the early days, it was it it was still like a door to door. I'd call people, or people would call me, and I'd make house calls, but anymore everything is done via video chat or phone uh, applications are signed did you know everything's like online so you fill out applications for insurance online documents are all handled you know through uh DocuSign. it's you know why do we have cars anymore i don't know <laughs> you know tesla's got this idea that every, there's gonna be like robo taxis and all this other stuff and it's like Nobody's going to drive anywhere. Everybody's on Zoom now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and they'll be in communities where they can walk around, and and then they can uh, work from home and all that kind of stuff. Right. right. Uh, David, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and uh, you'll have to come back, and we'll have to ferret out this more down the road and and maybe take calls. And it'd be interesting to have you on uh, KKNW, um, the AM radio show, and we'll take some calls for people that are really, really financially strapped or got problems
1: yeah that would be that would be interesting i love that taking calls would actually be a lot of fun i think
0: i think i think and and you got to be careful but you know how that goes so maybe they'll
1: just yeah you know what though you somebody could throw me a curveball and then you could you could stump the insurance agent (laughs) exactly look like make me look like an idiot on the radio
0: nah (laughs) you're a smart guy you got it all figured out you really do Uh, david lewis thank you so much your website again is monogenics m-o-n-e-g-e-n-i-x and i appreciate your time we gotta go but we'll we'll, I'll, i'll be in touch with you stay right where you are i'll be right back okay hey and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end hey pretty cool